Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 679 of the Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show this week, we'll be hearing about the film The Sun Also Rises, talking to the director and producer of that production. We'll also be finding out about the Hanbury Countryside Show. That's taking place on the 2nd of July and it's going to be a treat for all those who enjoy the great outdoors. We will be hearing about the Adams Family, which has been brought to the stage of the Litchfield Garrick by Sutton Coalfield Musical Theatre from the 5th to the 9th of July. Plus, we'll be talking poetry too. We have haikus from John Carpenter raising funds for UNICEF and refugees from Ukraine. And we'll also be talking to Harry Matthews, who has got seven poetry books that have come out in the last few years. That's all on the way on the show this week. Sutton Coalfield Musical Theatre will be at the Litchfield Garrick from the 5th through to the 9th of July with their production, The Adams Family. So that's more. I'm joined now by Louise Griffithy. Good day to you. Hello there, Jason. How are so, you? I'm good. I just find you well and excited about a show. Oh, absolutely. We've been rehearsing hard since the end of last year and it, yes, we're, we're all very excited, ready and raring to go now. Yeah, well, The Adams Family is an amazing, very recent musical uh, with a great sort of age variety in the cast. It gives everyone a chance to, to get on stage and have a good time. And you've got the talent to make this show work, haven't you? Oh, absolutely. Something called the Musical Theatre Company has been uh, in existence for almost 90 years. So we're entering our 90th year next year. And uh, in that time, we've been nominated and won n- numerous awards. When it comes to the Adams family, you've got you've got ghosts. Uh, you have our ancestors, as they as they, as they happen to be. Uh, you've got the the current uh, Adams family, uh, but also some interlopers who are very good friends, shall we say, with some of the cast. Yes, that's it. Sabiankis. Um, they are a a new family to audiences of the Adams family. They are Lucas, the son who falls in love with Wednesday Adams and his parents Mal and Alice, and. Um, to say they couldn't be more different to the Adams family is perhaps an understatement. Um, you can imagine all sorts of hilarious consequences uh, of the two families coming together as the two young loves um, start to think that they might want to get married. Mm. And, but all this with music. I mean, what more could you ask for? Oh, it, it's an absolutely cracking musical. Um, there's show numbers, there's uh, Latin inspired numbers, and it's it's a real ensemble piece. Despite being called the Adams Family, it's not just about the Adams Family themselves. It's about the story between these two young loves, Wednesday and Lucas, and what happens um, when they come together, when the two families come together, and uh, the reactions of the two families. So particularly Pug whose behaviour at a dinner that Wednesday invites the uh, potential in-laws to um, ends in uh, ends in some very interesting scenes uh, with uh, Lucas's mother at the end. So you've got uh, the comedy, music, as great acting, uh, fantastic entertainment, one for all the family, whether your surname's Adams or not, uh, and certainly something for those who remember the show, who've enjoyed the films, but actually anybody who just loves a good, fun musical. It, it, it's got something for, for absolutely everyone. And, I mean, the costumes and the setting for this are quite technical too, everything down from, you know, Cousin It to The Thing. Uh, the, yes, I mean... Um... 
the uh, the set itself is the is the Adams family house, which is going to be rather interesting. Lots of scenes with ancestors who are the ghostly relatives of the Adams family appearing um, at different parts on the stairs to the house and elsewhere in the house and from a crypt at the beginning as well. So it, it's all very it's all very um, off the wall. It's uh, it's it's funny from start to finish and really the perfect way to. Uh, escape a little bit of the doom and gloom that we're all experiencing at the moment. Absolutely. So I'll give the details now of this and then we'll talk about some of the other things you've got coming up with Sutton too. So first of all, litchfieldgarrick.com is where you get your tickets. It is 01543 412121, the box office number. So those are the two important bits you need. But you can also find Sutton Musical Theatre on, uh, online as well, can't you, via Facebook? That's absolutely correct, yes. And we're on Twitter and Instagram as well. And what are we searching for there? Have you got a, is there a handle or is it, should we just punch in the name? Yes, you can find us on Facebook by simply searching Sutton Coalfield Musical Theatre Company. Uh, same for Instagram and for uh, Twitter. But if you want to find us quickly by our handle on Twitter, we are at SCMTC and on Instagram at the SCMTC. And those are all the details where you find out about forthcoming shows, including the amazing work that's been put together by the Youth Wing coming up this October. That's right. Our um, our youth theatre is doing We Will Rock You from the 18th to the 22nd of October at Sutton Coalfield Town Hall. We've just cast for that. Uh, really excited to be able to bring that to the town. Um, again, a, a company that's won awards in its very short history because they only started in September 2018. So, uh, yes, they're, they're, they're quite new and they came back just recently in May with their Little Shop of Horrors, which was their first post-lockdown performance, mm-hmm. which, of course, the Adams family is for the adult company as well. So it's, it's great to have all this going on back on stage. We will talk to some of them at close to the time. Meanwhile, you are looking to get your tickets for the Adams family. It is Sutton Coalfield Musical Theatre. It is the 5th through to the 9th of July. Literallygarrick.com to get your tickets. Or once again, that box office number 01543412121. And enjoy the magic of a musical comedy with a lot of actual magic in it too, all taking place on stage. Louise, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, Jason. On the 2nd of July, the Hanbury Countryside Show is going to bring to life the countryside for people who are travelling in and around the Redditch area. It's going to be great to nip over and see it. So much going on. Somebody can tell us exactly what is happening is Diana Walton. Hello. Hello. So when it comes to uh, to, to this sort of show, you've got a, a good history of that. You know how these things come together. What is it you've been doing and how has this all been created? Well, I'm working for an amazing group of volunteers and they this year are celebrating 75 years of putting on a Hanbury show. And what is it? It's the most amazing day out in the countryside. It celebrates everything that's brilliant about Worcestershire and it's something for all the family. So I'm helping them do that and they are an amazing bunch of people. But it is a huge showground as well. It is. And it's it's a working farm. A few days ago, they were still cutting the hay. Now it's covered with marquees and everybody is can't wait. There's a real buzz there because people really love what they do and they can't wait to get back together again. So this is bringing a, a huge array of countryside life together into one place. It is. We've got everything from um, the livestock through to the horses. We've got a wonderful food marquee a main arena full of great acts all day long, 
uh, we've got the horticultural and crafts competitions. We've got a bandstand pack full of uh, activities all day long. So it's just something everywhere. <laughs> it basically just doesn't stop for the whole day. It doesn't stop the whole day. Nine till six we're open. And I genuinely think you can spend the whole day there and enjoy it every bit of it. You mentioned this is uh, in, in Worcestershire. Hanbury is the place, but it's just outside Redditch, isn't it? That's right. Yeah, it's um, not far away at all and good connections. Um, and yeah, it's uh, people travel from far and wide because it's got such a great reputation. Mm -hmm. And great parking as well. Yeah, it is. You've got huge, huge fields to park in. Um, <laughs> we've worked really hard on our accesses this year. And uh, yeah, people are just going to be there in the sunshine, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, and a bit, it's something that's back after a couple of years hiatus as well. So uh, it's uh, again, it's another chance for people to come together. And it is that community feeling, particularly about this one, because it is, uh, Hanbury's it has got that feel about it, hasn't it? It absolutely has. And if I say we've got nearly 300 volunteers and every one of them is essential to the day out. They know their work, that what they're doing inside out. They love their sections. They, they do so much good for us because, because they're out there telling people about the show. And at the end of the day, we're all doing it because we raise money for other charities. So there's a real feel-good factor involved. So who will be benefiting this year? Our two main um, charities we're supporting this year are the Midlands Air Ambulance and RABI, who are a farming charity. So again, doing great work in the air ambulance, particularly in rural areas. And as, as we see that uh, around Wolverhampton, as we head out through the likes of Essington and beyond, and in particular, if, if something goes wrong on the motorway, uh, the, the air ambulance plays such an important part in getting people to the hospital quickly. It is. And it's something we all identify with. And I think that's why people are so keen to support the show, because they know we're raising money for those those beneficiaries. So the important thing is, how do we find you? What, how do tickets work and what's going on on the day? How does, how does it start? Yeah, thank you. So um, the website is hambryshow.co.uk and tickets bought in advance are £14. If you buy on the gate, it's £18. So we do advise you buying in advance um, and show opens at nine, closes at six. And it's as easy as that. Uh, parking is free throughout and all children under 16 are free of charge. But you do still need to book a ticket for them online? No, you don't even need to do that. Um, you just need to book your adult tickets. So that will work really well. As you say, it, it has just shot at 15 quid. Uh, it's a great value day out. There's lots to see. And the only thing that's going to cost you when you get in there is, is enjoying the food and drink, Marky. Absolutely. And we all love our Worcestershire produce, don't we? So we've definitely got to take part in that. And there's some also some, some pretty good local legends in there. One of our special guests this year is Trevor Harrison, who plays... Eddie Grundy in the BBC Radio 4's The Archers and that couldn't be any closer to home at Hanbury could it so we've got a new talks theatre where um, Trevor will be speaking in there twice and we hope the audience will enjoy that and we've got a brand new gardener's question time so we've got a panel of experts so you bring all those local problems from Worcestershire to to the show and ask the questions and I'm sure you're going to get some great answers. Well, it's going to be an amazing show. Hanbury, H-A-N-B-U-R-Y, hanburyshow.co.uk to get your tickets. So do book in advance. It's going to take you, what, about 40 minutes to get there from Wolverhampton as well. It's not going to be too far a drive at all. And uh, you can have a great time enjoying the day. And you've already booked Sunshine, I think, as well, haven't you? Oh, I've really put a special request in because that would just be the icing on the cake. 
That'll be fantastic. I know most events that I've I've seen you involved with, the sun has always shone on them, whether in reality or just for the great uh, event that it, it always turns out to be. I'm sure the Hanbury Show is going to do that as well in its 75th year. And have a brilliant time and enjoy not only you know, the animals, the produce, uh, the show, uh, but also the chance to sort of get together and, and enjoy the experience. Diana Walton, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Haikus are an amazing art form. If I was a talented, I would do one now to introduce my next guest. John Carpenter is the man in question, and he's raising funds to help out Ukrainian refugees with some of his work and joins me now to tell me more. Hello, sir. Hello, Jason. Thanks for thanks for inviting me. Well, good to talk to you. So first of all, give us a bit of a, the background to you and haikus. How did this all come about? Oh, yeah. Well, that's uh, I was a writer all my life, a technical writer. I retired in 2013. And started doing the writing that I kind of liked doing, which wasn't really a lot of poetry or haiku. But then I joined some writers groups, one here in Burton, where I live, called the Runaway Writers. They're mainly poets. Mm-hmm. And one time, I think it was about 2018, we got into this kind of jokey thing about haiku, you know, the 17 syllable poem. And we started having kind of mock battles. We're talking <laughs> about haikus at dawn, you know, who's the haiku master, all this kind of stuff. And that went on for a while. And then COVID began, really. And um, shortly after, and haikus were just everybody was seemed to be writing haikus all over the place. So I sat there one Christmas and I wrote loads of haikus um, going through the alphabet, really, alphabetically, <laughs> trying to write one for every letter of the alphabet. Well, I ended up with 111 haikus. It took me about two days to do that. 111 because... That's like a magic number to me. I know it's a Nelson in cricket, isn't it? Uh, uh-huh. when it? When it reaches 111, the, the umpire does a little dance. So <laughs> I ended up with 111 haikus and then um, didn't really know what to do with them. Um, and then I started, I started, my partner, my wonderful partner, Cheryl, who's probably the most supportive person in the universe, <laughs> I can just say that. She bought me some books about haikus. She knew I was interested. That's one by Bashu. Bashu is the kind of the king of haiku. He's like the William Shakespeare of haiku. And I read that one first to understand a bit more about haiku. Then I found this one, which is called The Narrow Road to the Deep North, which he also wrote. Um, and it's like a pocketbook size. And that's Haibun. And in there, there's pictures as well as haiku, as well as his travel on. So I just thought, oh, pictures. I like doing pictures. So I thought, I'll illustrate these haiku. Well, if I'd known how long it was going to take to illustrate the haiku, I probably would have never started. But I really enjoyed it. So I do photo collage. So I've ended up with it in this book here, which is kind of mimics the size of uh, Bashu's book. It's a little bit bigger. I ended up with 111 illustrated haikus that kind of look like that. So every page has got a haiku on it embedded in a picture. Because yeah, uh, with 17 syllables, you haven't got, number one, much room to say very much so all your words have to be very carefully chosen uh it's got a nice rhythm to it but then it's a, it does fit well with just that in the middle of a page it might look a bit lonely so the pictures all bring it to life the book itself uh called was called remodern the book title is a haiku sorry right. but it is and it goes like this an alphabetic pocket-sized picture book of remodern haiku that's 17 syllables in three lines remodern i is actually um it's, uh, I've defined it in the book. It's uh, 
it was it was instigated into some movement, an art movement by Billy Childish and mm. Charles Thompson. I like the name Billy Childish. <laughs> and uh, remodernism is an attempt to reintroduce some soul into art and culture and society to replace postmodernism, which they claimed had become cynical and spiritually bankrupt. So I like that. So and that also <laughs> that also gave me my two syllable word for the title. <laughs> that works. Oh, that's a lot. But I mean, seventeen syllables. It really isn't much to work with, and no. uh, I think that's that's part of the joy of the creativity here, isn't it? And uh, it, it, it's it, it could almost it's not quite greeting card stuff because I mean, greeting cards expect you to have more than seventeen syllables, and it. it is an impactful. Here's something I've got to say. Listen. Exactly. That's exactly why I kind of got into it. I like that kind of approach. Some of it's quite sweet, and some of it's quite. Um, challenging some of that so I tried to balance it up and some of it is in my opinion is funny and funny enough some people actually agree with me and they think it's funny too which was kind of a shock (laughs) (laughs) you know you said that I started off you know know, John Cooper Clark wrote that famous haiku conveying one's mood in 17 syllables is very difficult that gave gave me the inspiration for some for some from him really so yeah, absolutely. So it is. It's very difficult. It's very difficult. It say. is difficult. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. you've got the likes of maybe someone like Spike Milligan who did some amazing, uh, yeah, uh, limericks as well. And it, it's it's almost yeah. it's it's a limerick, but with more control over it. Yeah, yeah. Limerick. I think limerick is probably even more demanding because you've got a rhythm and a meter. Um, you get a bit, you get a few more words, and you can. <laughs> you, and I do love Spike Milligan. There's a there's a there's actually a, a couple of images of Spike in here. Um, on the page lunacy, would you believe it? There's a picture of Spike. The, the, the haiku lunacy has got a picture of Spike in there in one of his famous disguises. Go, go and share, the, share that haiku with us then. Okay, that's the picture. That is, that is Spike. <laughs> Spike's down the bottom there. You can hardly see him. But um, <laughs> it says, lunacy, repeat behaviour, expect different results, lunacy, Einstein. <laughs> so that's just a quote it's just a quote from Einstein but in haiku form we love it that's yeah, 17, 17 syllables <laughs> <laughs> so you are raising funds with this book yes so that what, the, what happened was when the book was ready which and I had it printed and it arrived I didn't really know what to do with it and I've done lots of volunteer work and charity work over the years various things and when I've had a little bit of money, I've, I've given a bit of money, but I find it's more fun to get involved, get immersed, you know, do something. And uh, so kind of doing something was really good. So I thought, I've done a lot of work on this. How can I make it work for charity? And at the time the book came out, the terrible, you know, thing that the, the special military operation was happening in Ukraine. And mm. it's just awful. It depresses me. I can't not watch it on the news but I find it depressing. So I should stop watching, but I can't because it's happening. So I thought, what can I do? And I was having a talk with my step-grandchildren when they came over and we were just, I don't know how the conversation got around to it, but imagine one day you've got a family. Yeah, you know, like they've got a family, they're living in a lovely home and the next thing, it's all gone. They've got a bag. Sometimes even one of the parents disappeared. So that's when I said, okay, let me do something for UNICEF who were doing um, you know, trying to raise funds for those displaced families in the Ukraine. So that's what the impetus was to, to do that. So excellent cause. So sad it's necessary, but whilst it is, Absolutely. knowing that there are people across the globe 
who are helping is really important. People can help by buying your book and they also get some entertainment out of it as well. So it's a win-win situation. I hope so, yeah, yeah. I mean, at the moment, uh, to be honest with you, I've got to be honest with you, we've gone, of the 50 books, I only printed 50 because I had no idea how far this was going. There's one left. Would you like a copy, Jason? Attempting. Uh, so, <laughs> but equally, we, we want to know when there's more. So how is that going to work? Is it also available online as well? No, uh, I didn't foresee that the, it would go so quickly. At the moment, I've raised the, the book, the 49 books, have raised 341 quid for Ukraine. Um, so it's quite a lot per book. Um, so what the situation is, is um, I've set up a, an email, which is haiku4ukraine at hotmail.com. Mm -hmm. For anybody who's interested in helping with this, um, because I also have, I just want to give a shout out to the people who printed this book. You Love Print, an incredible outfit who printed this book. It's a hard, hardback, um, really well printed. And they did a misprint uh, on the first run. Um, and, and they admitted to it very quickly. And they, um, the misprint is not serious at all. It's like, you probably can't see this, but on the S page, these, the, the, the S is overprinted over the words. So they just printed another 50 copies and gave me these with the misprints in for nothing. So the next thing I want to do is use these to raise more funds for Ukraine. And, and I don't have to get paid for these at all because there's no outgoing cost. On the other ones, it's a not-for-profit. So as soon as the book paid for itself, all the profits from the book then go to Ukraine, along with the donations, which have been incredibly generous. Mm -hmm. I have to say, I started gifting some books to people I knew, you know, people who'd helped me a lot, like, Gary Carr of the Runaway Writers, for example, did a lot of work with me and um, and helped me a lot with doing the book. Did the launch and everything. So um, I gifted one to I gifted one to a few people, to various people, and they were very generous in their donations. Um, and in fact, I found that gifting a book, uh, which has already been paid for in the accumulated sales of the book, I could gift books, and the people who then donated were more generous. So Ukraine got a bit more money. UNICEF got a bit more money. So that was what the focus is and has been all the way through. And this book, these 50 books, means that they can just go for donations and that goes straight to Ukraine. So I'm trying to find ways to do that. I'm thinking of people in cafes like the Community Cafe here in Bern, where we do our spoken worlds, trying to get them to just sell the book. And if they need to make a little bit out of the book, for example, a pound a book or something, that's fine with me. So it goes to two good causes a community cafe and the rest goes to Ukraine. So that's the next step. And if those 50 books go, then I don't know what happens next, really, Jason. Well, I, I think there could be a major publishing deal that follows. Who knows? <laughs> we just got to get one of them into the right pair of hands. And before you know it, it could be huge. Uh, particularly well, the artwork that you've done and everything that ties in with it. It sounds like a, a, not only an amazing project, but also a, a amazing talent going into it. So give us that email address and spell it for us for those who are interested in the book and want to get in touch. Okay, it's Haiku for Ukraine, which is H-A-I-K-U, the number four, and Ukraine, U-K-R-A-I-N-E, and that's all lowercase, uh, at hotmail.com. So at hotmail.com, so it's as simple as that, Haiku, the number four, Ukraine, at hotmail.com. Get in touch with John, and if you want a book, have a little chat. Find out, number one, how you're going to get it. Uh, number two, uh, how, how much you want to uh, spend 
and make sure, as you say, these, well, these, these 50 well, books, it's going to Ukraine, the whole lot. Yeah, the book costs seven quid, by the way. I forgot to mention that. Uh, so if you're buying one, it's seven quid. So we want we want donations north of seven quid, really, don't we? Uh, but uh, possible. It's possible. <laughs> good to see what happens. And of course, it's, like, it's then just getting the book to the right place, which obviously you'll want to fund as well. So uh, it's, um, it's, it's all good. So however you want to get a copy of this, work it out with John on that email and race runs for Ukraine and be amazed by 111 haiku too. <laughs> Thank, yeah, thank you very much. That's uh, that's really good. Yeah, that's exactly what I think. We put it very well. That's exactly what I'd like to happen. So let's the go. More funds it. get raised for Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. Let's 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 see that those funds come in. Hopefully, you can hit a grand before too long. That would be nice to see. Well, that, that'd be amazing. That'd be astonishing. And that will make a, a real difference, as will everything that's already gone into the coffers. Well, John Carpenter, yeah. Haiku Master, thank you for joining us. <laughs> oh, thank you very much for the Haiku Master. Thanks, Jason. Thanks a lot. Move Mountains Productions have a great film sitting waiting in the wings for release. The Sun Also Rises. Roland Manukian and Shane McCormack are here to tell me all about it. Hello, sirs. How you doing? How you doing? Uh, we're all good, good here and looking forward to the release. Now, so far, I have only seen the trail. And Roland, I'm going to jump to you to begin with to tell us a, a bit of the background to the movie. Yeah, well, I guess about sort of 16 months ago, Shane... Uh, came to me with a, a, a script, which we, which was a cracking script, a lovely story, and we sort of developed it and sort of tried to tell this story in a very ambitious sort of way. Uh, and then that was really the beginning of the film. Really, it was a, it was I was I was approached by Move Mountains and, and Shane to to sort of come on board and and sort of work as a director on this wonderful story we we're about to tell you all about. Yeah, and uh, I mean, Shane, the script itself, give us the origins there. Well, um, we're trying to uh, get people to open up about uh, the domestic abuse side of things. Um, story come from uh, the film Nil by Mouth. That was uh, how we got the core mm-hmm. storyline. Um, yeah, we sort of developed from that kind of cycle with telling it from a man's point of view to now seeing it from the woman's point of view, which obviously Roland has brought to life. Uh, originally, it was Ray the man, um, and then Roland's made it about Ray the girl, which it comes from a different point of view, people to sort of open up um, and come come to terms and, and uh, sort of open people's eyes, if you want to say. Yeah, well, I think what we think, what, what we, that's exactly right, Shane. We, uh, we, we were sort of doing. We wanted to tell a story about domestic violence and the cycles of domestic violence and how they affect everyone in those in in people's lives that mm-hmm. experience it, and not 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 always just first hand, second hand, third hand, friends of. It's like it's a very traumatizing sort of uh, position to find yourself in if you're a victim of domestic domestic abuse at all, and. The original story it was it was told for a, a man's perspective, mm-hmm. and it was just and I, and I remember talking to Shane. I, I was just like, "What would happen if we sort of flipped it, flipped it on its side, on its head, and and we told more of the victim's story than the perpetrator's story?" Uh, and and it and sort of and then it developed from there. Really, it was just like, "Okay, this this is this is a really sort of." Uh, 
broad subject matter this affects a lot of people and it sort of started to resonate the, the script started to have real power in the case of those who have survived this it will tell a story that, that will ring true to them but outside of that this is an opportunity to to draw attention to what is going wrong in our society and how that you can start making a way of fixing it. And this is something, even though it'll be one person potentially that is the perpetrator in every time this tale unfolds, whether the victim is male or female, however mm. you look at the perspective on it, that the whole of society has to come together to stop this. And I think this is almost a call to arms, isn't it? Yeah, I, I think so. I think, don't get me wrong, I think <clears throat> lots, uh, lots of legislation has put in place. Actually, there was something I think in 2021 just put in place to protect people even further. I think what we really want to, I think, what would be a great sort of step forward is to draw attention to people being able to speak about it and openly and and slightly less of a taboo subject. Uh, because it usually happens in very inner circles within families and 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 inner circles within friendships and and the relationships are quite personal and stuff it it doesn't get much airtime because mm -hmm. it's it's sort of like you know you're dragging the you know the dirty laundry out for everybody it's it's like it's a very very difficult subject matter so yeah i i think our plan was to you know even if we can shine the smallest amount of light on a really sort of uh, traumatising uh, subject for people, then we've achieved something that, you know, really good. So I think that was what we were always trying to aim for, just just even the, the smallest light on a subject matter that, you know, that could help someone, that might encourage someone to come forward, uh, you know, and... And certainly in the light of what's going on culturally over the last five years, we're seeing people coming forward now. We're seeing people having the bravery to come forward and speak about, you know, events that happened a long time ago for a lot of people. And uh, so hopefully we can we can be we can encourage that. And just to put it out there, uh, when we started developing this script, it's sort of the numbers because of COVID, everyone being being held to sort of uh, stay in home and, and, and not be allowed out. The numbers went right up. So yeah. um, when we was developing this, it was a prime, prime time to, to get something like this type of film out there, uh, just so people can attach themselves and, and draw themselves to the emotions and, and get to grip with what's, what's going on in reality. That's absolutely right. I think there's <laughs> we're a main catalyst as well for driving our story. Like it was, I think it was domestic yeah. abuse went up about 40% as soon as the pandemic struck. So it was sort of, you know, very, very, very sort of current. Uh, and I don't know, I, I think, you know, ultimately as well, as, as someone that writes stories, uh, I wanted to write something I was interested about as well. And I think there's, it's, it's, it's an, from, from an outside perspective, it's very interesting as well to see these relationships develop, to see the dynamic within these relationships. Like, I wanted to make a film that I'd be interested to watch myself. Yeah, but of a human story, uh, a full-length feature, and in, so, I mean the bits I've seen, the directorial uh, work seems to be an amazing role, and then obviously you've got uh, a great cast to work with. And from uh, the production value, Shane, and everything that you've done, be, you know, behind the scenes on this too, uh, you know, it may not have been quite as uh, as, as in in the focus as, as Roland is in in this piece, but certainly your stamp is on it as well, and and you've got your take on, on what was happening here i mean it's, it's it's been a great team effort like 
Um, it, we've sort of ticked all the boxes that we, we set out to achieve. Um, it's a low-budget budget indie film. Um, we knew what we was up against. And the directorial role from, from Roland's been class. Like, I mean, it's been... That's what um, like, Next levels, he's, he's, he's put everybody in, in, in a place where we're hoping that we can't lose. Um, and then obviously the production value side of things, we managed to get out into Marbella, get a bit of Spain in there. Um, we, we raised the bar as much as we could uh, with what we had. And the team have just performed to, to a higher, higher uh, standard. So, yeah, I'm really proud of everybody. Yeah, I have to concur and, and sort of give Shane and all of Move Mountain really a, a, a massive pat on the back because we... When, when they asked me to sort of uh, put together a script, I, I was like, don't give me any compromises. Let me just write a script and then let's see what we can afford <laughs> and then compromise. And uh, because we're, you know, we're ambitious, but we're, we're also very pragmatic and realistic in, in terms of what we're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. And there was no compromise. It was like, nope, we love the script. We're going to do it exactly how it was. And I was, you know, I was thrilled, obviously. But uh, but that was sort of that set the bar for us. And and the the what what they managed to do. And and I, you know, I'm a champion of British independent films. I've probably lost count of how many I've been in. To be <laughs> fair, with you, and how many I haven't seen as well. <laughs> but, uh, 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 but it's you know I'm an, a real advocate of of British independent film and to sort of be part and because I've done so many and I've been involved and see what goes into them I've, I've just was like no they've done an amazing job so I've got to really give them credit for that as well and give them credit to give me the opportunity to do, to make a film as well. So. Well, I, I know he's going to be appreciated by its audience. The trailer is out there now. Where do we go on the socials? At the moment, we have the teaser trailer on Facebook. Um, we're just going into post-production with the sound and grade uh, in the next sort of two weeks, three weeks. Um, we have a publicity team that's that's been uh, doing an extremely brilliant job getting it out there as much as they can. Um, and then we start trying to get a distributor lined up and I will then have another meet at some point where we can then try and put a release together. Well, I think, very much, I think, I think we are trying to get uh, a release this year though uh, mm-hmm. at some point and we're not quite sure are we showing that the, the current sort of status of, of the release date but hopefully this year hopefully, well, you, you yeah. can just keep working on that fingers crossed we'll uh, we'll see that release in 2022 and of course I think there's going to be a large number of award ceremonies who are going to be very interested in this as well based on the quality of what I've seen in the teaser trail so uh, fingers fun. crossed for you good luck with that hopefully we can talk to uh, maybe uh, some of the, some more of the cast as the, the release comes to fruition I'd very much like to do that but for now Roland Manukian and Shane McCormick thank you both for joining us uh, thank you very much yes. <laughs> Harry Matthews is an accomplished poet and writer and joins me now to tell me something of his seven books of poetry and a little trip around India in word format too. Hello, sir. Hello, Jason. How are we Hello. doing? Um, very good, thank you. And you? I'm, I'm very well too, thank you. So give me a bit of your background and how you came to poetry writing. I've always written poetry uh, as far as I can remember. Mm-hmm. Um I think it really began when I was 27 Um, and it was kind of a way of uh, dealing with emotions and describing states of mind I was in. Um, 
but uh, when I was at um, school, I didn't really write much poetry or enter into competitions. Um, I remember I, I wrote one poem which I read in class and they thought it was quite um, ahead of my age group. Mm -hmm. um, but, but it was never really encouraged. And uh, it was only when I was um, in my late 20s that I really set about deciding that it was my vacation. And, and that's when it developed. And it, it was only really in the past, since 2020, that I started to, to publish my, my poems. So, so seven books in two years. Is that where we're at at the moment? Yes, that's right. That's impressive. Was Come on. That is seriously impressive. Yes, it was quite a task to do all that in, in that space of time. Um, it was quite a Herculean effort, but uh, it was lockdown and I was quite bored and it kind of just helped me to, to keep my mind on something positive during quite a negative, difficult time for everyone. And, um, but yes, thank you. Yes, it was, it was quite a feat, but I, it was kind of brewing for 13 years of, apprenticeship as a poet <laughs> and it just all came together at that point so which is excellent and this poison were you doing a phd as well yes that was uh that was quite doing that in tandem has been quite quite a challenge um um english literature phd uh researching um an early modern poet from the 16th century uh, richard barnfield um yeah, that was that's quite a lot to do at the same time, and I think I'm having to do that part time now rather than uh, full time, as I was doing uh, from from last year. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be a challenge in itself, and all this uh, alongside uh, working with your autism as uh, as part of the the creativity that you have as well. Yes, I think uh, yeah, the autism is interesting revelation a diagnosis from this year in April um so all the time before then I was kind of masking it and pretending I I wasn't autistic but but being diagnosed it kind of makes sense because I've always had problems of like uh, making friends keeping friends and social interaction and that kind of thing and things that you know people take for granted and you'd consider quite easy um to do but for me it's quite challenging and it's to do with just having a different what they call neurotype or a different type of brain uh i think uh, that's what's what it's about uh, so, so uh, it's not class as average so that just means you're above average which is cool uh but I, it means uh, that you probably enjoyed lockdown the same way as i quite enjoyed lockdown to be fair yes yes i think yeah i think uh I think it was very challenging for people, disabled people, during lo lockdown. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, it was quite good, perhaps, for people who didn't mind their own company so much and uh, had a, had a had something to focus on. But uh, yeah, well. I say difficult times for everybody and certainly wouldn't want to make light mm. of that, but I say it, it is, it has been uh, a help uh, and, and, and brought out different thoughts and, and allowed people time to, to do some work. And as I say, you, you've been prolific in your uh, poetry book output in that time, but also you've got a, a book on mm. India as well. Give us some, uh, some of the story behind that one. Yes, this is my book, um, A Whimsical Journey Through India. And 
it began um it just began as like my writing up my diary i wrote during my journey which i took when i was 21 mm-hmm. um so what that's about 20 20 years ago now um and i think of about four years ago i started to make watercolor illustrations of all of the the lovely photos that i took and um there's myself at the the river ganges on the ghats and there's an amazing work and and again it streets. helps you tell the story of your journey through through your own art yes that's right john um jason it was a uh, it was a, a, um, a way of relating an experience I had um, and all the very uh, colourful memories I had. And I just wanted to codify it and have, a, have it have something to share with other people to mm-hmm. describe it, because it was quite an exceptional journey. And, and when it comes down to your, your poetry as well, did you write any poetry whilst you were there? Or, uh, I mean, it was before you started you know, turning this into a, a career. But uh, did, you, did you feel the need to, to share thoughts via poetry at that point? I remember that I was writing poetry uh, when I came back in my notebook. Um, when I was there, I was just writing the, a prose diary um i read some some poets from india like R- rabindranath tagore from west bengal mm-hmm. he was quite interesting um and some of the upanishads the ancient uh, poems of hindu culture they were quite interesting but my my actual india travel story i did consider writing it as a as a long very long poem but i felt that would that would be too you'd be too difficult to 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 describe it in pure poetry so i decided it worked best as a as a prose travel story and then this means that people can drop in and out and read it in you know, a chaptered format and, and and find out about different places that they may consider visiting based on your work yes that's right so a great way of uh, being able to share that one so talking of sharing if i were to ask you for a poem what would you give to me now, please? I'd give you a poem from from my latest collection, mm-hmm. which is called Idols of the Nymphi from a Mantic Coracle. Mm-hmm. And of course, um, Coracles are quite well known on the River Seven at Iron Bridge, aren't yep. they? And uh, um, they are, you know, they're the traditional vessels for fishing but also they've been used and for nets two two coracles with a net catching fish and they're, but they're also used by the celtic saints to to go say from wales to ireland or vice versa or to set out on sea to do missionary work and uh, I, I so i thought i'd write a collection of poems inspired by shropshire cool and uh so the first so the poem i'd like to share with you is called arcadia which is the Greco-Roman word for like an ideal, an idealized, beautiful place. Mm-hmm. And I'll just gather myself to, to read it. No problem, go for it. He arrived calm, gentle, still inland in Coracle, 
later saw him tired amid clean country air, river born, ascent wafted briefly, then passed still like that. In summer afternoon, tranquil country folk idly chat here beside the river over tea, cake chiefly, heart halfway where his refusal in poems of vulnerability, discontent still unconscious, his visions precisely straight and morning ascent outside in currents of feeling, jester in tatters, listening, replying carefully in his coracle till late by the weir, his welcome overspent. They go at daybreak like a key that opens what cannot be closed, closes what they cannot open, lest it be demoted again, void like hung shadows of green canopy that overreaches, predisposed to colonize. Through field turns this Arcadia, through which the river drives snake-like. He founds from then his near destiny. There soothes his grief in his cold departure, ecstasy, sway, silence of trust I see through sense, glorifies realism, assured yet closed, breathe in, but days calm breeze, stone cold, nothing apart again, sheep huddled in the folds controlled, only near fantastic dolls below lavish parterres, striking you peacock, pithy after verbosity, to drop that elation, life beneath them bartered his discount, but earlier error acts together again, hearty plump interlocked, old with cut, cut loose caracol. Morning airs for every rushing, they remain against himself, when fevered afternoon gets pressured, everyone back at the pier leaving before arriving. And she, does she darken? Any paddles left? With this the coracle control, grad gradually scything his mind-tortured apprehension at deterioration, brushing on bitumen to waterproof the white canvas, drawn over the hazel weave bowl, when tame breeze cools west on coracles, no peace better than that lasting, Four full winters again, in vain, until potent spring. What will become of him? Who brings fire from water? Knowledge is sight, clear trust and innocence, heartfelt in coracle world, mirrors spirit world, birth pit of the origin. The question scatters joy, disables contrary powers, what manifests in physical undone in this river world where a poet sees love hindrance like bulrushes scythed from long blades, like beaks of toucans. But God is present in dwindling land that arrests, protests, dwindling evermore to dwindle until glory dawns. Well, wonderful words and something again, which I think you, people will read your poems and then, then come back and, and reread them to get more of the story, won't they? And I think it, it, it's delving behind what you're yes. saying as well, which will bring it to life. Where do we go to to find your work yes, and where can we buy your books? Um, go to my website. It's harryartpublishing.co.uk. Uh, but you can also purchase books from Amazon. Mm -hmm. They're distributed by Amazon and a few others like Barnes & Noble and... Waterstones. So, so, um, so you can pick them up there, but basically search yeah, for Harry, Harry Art Publishing. and and you'll be able to find it. But that web address again? Uh, harryartpublishing.co.uk. 
Simple as that. Well, Harry, great to speak to you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing your poetry. And maybe there'll be a return to India one day and more travelogue from there. I hope so, yes. Thank you. That's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 680 next week. I'll see you then. Ta-ra for now. Goodbye from the milk bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the milk bar. Yeah.